Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's show is going to be really, really fun. It's Naveen Jain, who is the founder of Viome and has been on the show several times. This is the guy who cracked the code of what's actually going on inside your microbiome, inside your gut. My gut was wrecked for years when I weighed 300 pounds, 15 years of antibiotics every month because I had toxic mold in my home, which gave me problems with sinuses and all kinds of stuff. But eventually, to actually see the data about phages and viruses and fungus and all those different bacteria, this is the guy whose groundbreaking company, Viome, and by the way, full disclosure, I am an early investor, one of the, the first advisors, and I've just been the biggest cheerleader because this is the data that I quested for. And what I found out during Superhuman was that I could quadruple the number of species of bacteria in my gut. How did I count them? I used Viome, of course. But today, we're going to talk about some brand new stuff, and I've got a new name and a new face for you that, who's a part of Viome. So Naveen Jain, the CEO and founder is here, but also we have... Ali Perlina, the chief translational science officer at Viome. And Ali is here in order to really share the deep science as a systems biologist, a molecular biologist with knowledge about human genetics and the clinical side. This is the one who's actually looked at my poop, I'm embarrassed to tell you. And we're going to go deep on your mitochondria, your energy pathways, your cellular stress, your age, all these new tests, new data things that are available that weren't available before. So, both of you, welcome to the show. Well, Dave, first of all, you know what an honor and a pleasure just to see your smiling face. And I got to admit that COVID hair looks good. So if you want to keep that look, if you want to keep that look, I'm concerned, it's all cool. <laughs> I knew I should wash it. Now, when do I get to get like a hair microbiome test, Naveen? Tell me that's probably already coming out your your, your No sequence anything. You'll sequence <laughs> so anything? All right, I'll just... Take a tuft. Uh, so, so interestingly, if you look at this stuff and seeing our goal, our purpose in life really is to digitize the human body, to really understand at a molecular level what is going on. And you know what is really interesting, I think, Dave, I think I remember four years ago when I was starting Wild, and we sat down together on our first uh, you know, portable podcast and we talked about it. So, you know, there are only three types of genes that are expressed in the human body your mitochondrial genes that are inside the cell of human cell, that obviously all the human genes that are expressed and their microbial genes. And what if you can look at all of them and start to see how this system approach to how each one of them impacts each other. So how microbiome impacts what's happening in our human gene expression and how they impact what's happening in the mitochondrial gene expression or how my, microbiome and mitochondrial gene expressions are connected to together, how mitochondrial biogenesis changes the cellular response to things. So my point is, it is literally everything is connected. And for the first time in the human history, we have a chance to actually look at all of that and apply the AI and machine learning to not only just look at the wonderful stuff, to actually figure out what to do about it. And I'm just so damn excited that we're finally there, finally there. And, and a lot of listeners know about your background, Naveen, but the idea that this is your seventh company, you're on the Forbes list and, and you're exceptionally successful. You don't have to do startups ever again. You just do these because you like changing things and disrupting and, and creating. So uh, that was one of the things that attracted me to this. The other one, though, is you went to Los Alamos National Laboratories and you got $2 billion worth of you know, weapons-grade R&D on identifying things. I said, what if I took that and I turned it around from like a fear-based response? I said, now it's just data gathering at a high speed and it's not about sequencing genes, uh, which has been done before, but it's about looking at what behavior of, of things is doing with RNA analysis. Uh, so that's a kind of a quick introduction. And you've been working for three years with Ali and, oh, four years now. So it's it's one of those things where companies start out, you're small, you have this technology and you're doing this one thing is the gut. But I've been excited. I mean, you, you, you've said, Dave, we have this new stuff coming. And then like, I'm going to be the first person to see it, right? At least one of the first. But all at the same time, mitochondrial function, immune cell function, biological age, and cellular stress. What do I have to send in besides my poop for you to know all this? 
So basically, the idea is, you know, if you look at the things, our human body is like a donut. There's a tube that goes through it, right? And our thought is, what if you can analyze at the top of the tube? And our thought is, what if you can analyze at the top of the tube? So you look at your saliva, and what if you can start to analyze all the oral microbial activities? And I'm going to tell you some things here. And then you look at the bottom of the tube, and you start to see what is the, all the gut microbial activities that are going on. And then you look at the other side of the tube, which is the host, the humans, and you start to look at and say, what are the human gene expressions that are coming along? What's the mitochondrial gene expressions that are coming along? So in this test, the health intelligence test, that actually you can do today. So it's not someday in the future may come out. You can go to yom.com right now and you can actually order this test. And when you order this test, for the first time, you're going to start to see the scores and insights that are all tied together. So it's not, this comes from your microbiome, this comes from your mitochondria, this comes from this. It is all tied together. So in a sense that when we look at your biological age, Biological age is not somehow your microbiome are doing something or your cells are doing something or your mitochondria. It is all integrated approach to what makes you age. That means you may be chronologically, you know, um, like me, 61, but I am biologically maybe only 40. Or if you ask my wife, she thinks I'm more like a 25-year-old man. But, you know, that just <laughs> depends <laughs> different things for different people, right? But the point really is that we all age very differently. And our thought was, what if we can start to measure them at a molecular and cellular level, right? <clears throat> so we start to look at Immunity is a big thing now in this world of, you know, before it used to be all about flu and now it's all about COVID. But the point is, why is it that some people catch exactly the same virus and they have almost no symptoms and some people end up in the hospital? What is the difference between the two people? It's not their genes are somehow different. You know, we all have 99.8% same genes. So it's not genetic. It is, is literally is how does their immune system respond when they get infection, when they get this pathogen, how is their immune system primed for it, right? Is it too much inflammation in the body because you're obese, you have diabetes, you have heart disease. That means you have inflammation going on in your body tremendously. And when your inflammation going on, immune system is too busy trying to take care of what you already done. And now you hit the virus and you say, all right, I'm done. Right? And it just gives up. And suddenly you have all these issues. And that's the reason. What if you can build the immunity at a cellular level? And so we literally now give you your immune system health, right? We give you your mitochondrial health. We give you your cellular health. And we're going to describe you what all these different things are, what's included in them, including at the deepest level, every pathway that goes into your calculating your cellular stress. Right? It, it goes into calculating your mitochondrial biogenesis and not just tell you what's going on. And then we say, here is what you can do now to go take care of it. Rather than some generic advice, which I think where most people go wrong, they say, oh, I think I can just take glutathione because I think oh, I got this, uh, you know, free radicals. I have got a lot of ROS. I think I'm going to take glutathione. Without understanding that glutathione has very high amount of sulfide in them. So if you have very high sulfide production in your gut, that probably the glutathione may not be the best one. Maybe you really need to be taking resveratrol, right? So point is, it is different reasons for different things. And when you have inflammation, it's not, oh, I'm going to just take some anti-inflammatory drug, whether it's a, a, a or in, an anti-inflammatory supplement. So I'm going to take curcumin. Well, the point is you need to understand what is the root cause of that inflammation. Is it coming from cellular stress? Is it coming from pathogenic infection? Is it coming from some environmental stack like tox the mold toxicity? But if you don't know what the underlying cause of that is, you're going to just do things that are, may actually end up harming you. As a systems biologist, as a systems thinker, and I, I'm a computer hacker, which means you're a systems thinker as well, like from my, my background, uh, how often is it one thing that's causing inflammation? Very rarely. It's not just one thing. It's always the combination of many things that actually come together. It's rarely, unless you have infection, suddenly you say, oh, that's one major thing. 
But in general, there are a lot of things that really come together. Environment, the food we eat, the lack of nutrition that we don't have. I mean, literally the inflammation in the body is, in fact, without inflammation, we would die. So my point is, it's not that people somehow think inflammation is bad. Inflammation happens because it saves us. Without inflammation, we won't be saved, right? So, yeah. yeah. It's the wrong flavor at the wrong time. The wrong right. flavor of inflammation. This is absolutely not wrong. Uh, I just wanted to add that uh, when you have one thing, like a bad virus, it can cause inflammation. So, if, okay, sometimes you can point it to one thing. But what pathways are going to be turned on as a cause of that, as a result of that causal one thing of inflammation, that is where it differs from person to person. So from some people, you will have a great, you know, antiviral response, and then your system will know when to actually stop itself and be like, okay, we, we got this taken care of. There are specific sort of breaks on the immune system that we know of. And some of these breaks like PDL um, and other things that, that are targeted by immunotherapy are the types of genes that we can see. And then for some people, it will be, you know, uncontrollable inflammation. And once you have specific types of uh, cytokine pathways turned on, if they're not controlled well, then they keep recruiting and recruiting these uh, immune cells, which can even lead to cytokine storm and things like that. So the different pathways that go and, and trigger each other, that's, you know, thousands of things going on. But the cause, yeah, sometimes it could be one or two really, um, sort of culprit type of items. But as Naveen said, uh, it also depends on your lifestyle, what you've been up to in your past, I don't know, 30 years, what you eat, that will determine what are gonna be those pathways once the virus, you know, let's say comes in, what are gonna be those pathways that will be turned on? And based on that, you know right. whether you need to support some of these, you know, antimicrobial, antiviral type of responses, or you need to actually make sure that you tame your immune system at the right time and stage. For instance, let's say that you've been living off the standard American diet with tons of corn oil, soybean oil, all the inflammatory oils, so that actually the fat in your body is made out of those kinds of oils, which is what happens when you eat that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get, oh, I don't know, some kind of random virus that's going around that has a 1% you know, death rate or something like that. Uh, but you're one of those people who gets really sick from that. I, I got to wonder. Was it the fat and your diet and the fact that you primed yourself for massive inflammation that was the cause? Whereas the guy standing next to you didn't eat that way, didn't have any symptoms. So was it the virus <laughs> or was it the lifestyle or was it the system? And and I think we all kind of know where I'm going with that, but. Yeah, so it's a comorbidity. I mean, if you notice that, you know, how many people have catch exactly the same flu, the same, this mysterious thing that somehow people think is going to uh, kill the universe, right? That mysterious thing. You know, there are a lot of young people, they don't even know they, ha they have infection because they just literally, mm -hmm. their body just deals with that, right? And other people who have a whole bunch of other comorbidity uh, signals, right? So they have diabetes, they have heart disease, they have obesity, they got all types of things going on in their body, and suddenly they may catch flu or they may catch even the smallest of things. And the next thing they know, boom, they end up in the hospital, right? And right. that to me is really the key is that is your immune system, is your body actually ripe or to essentially uh, be into this situation where your organs are going to fail because they're literally at the cusp of failing. <laughs> when I weighed 300 pounds, I had that chronic inflammation. And if I got anything, it's like, oh, geez, in three days, I'm going to have another sinus infection. And I would always go down the inflammation pathways. And I figured out how to turn that off. Uh, but part of that was lab tests, very expensive, weird lab tests saying, oh, you have too much IL-6 or too much of this other inflammatory cytokine. Uh, and it's been very hard and expensive to quantify that. And it all does, in my world, come down into the day, your mitochondria. But there is no solid mitochondrial test out there. I've, I've tried every one of them. Uh, we've got one at Upgrade Labs, the only one that I, I trust until you guys just came out with this, where you, you ride a bike with a special algorithm um, that's exclusive to us, where you look at how well your body uses oxygen. That's the output of the system, right? Like you generated this, many, many, this much energy, because we can measure it from your legs and this much oxygen, and we'll tell you the percentage, but we can't tell you, oh, where's all that stuff that you're leaking? Where's it going? But you guys are looking at what specifically around mitochondria in your test? 
Yeah, so I think I'm going to have Ali describe, but there are two major parts to that, uh, the mitochondrial health. One is the mitochondrial biogenesis. That means how well that your mitochondria itself is recreating, reproducing, because, you know, unlike the cell division that only happens when you divide the cell, the, remember the mitochondria used to be an, uh, it's an organelle, it used to be an ancient bacteria. It is constantly dividing and it's constantly regenerating itself. So how do you measure the mitochondrial biogenesis? It has never been done because um, that is the one that constantly itself does the cell repair, the DNA repair, the oxidative stress, and, you know, whether it's ROS or RNAs, all types of stress is dealing with that, right? So that's one thing. The second part of it is that you talked about is most people think of mitochondria as energy production, right? And in the energy production, most people think of mitochondria as ATP cycle, the Krebs cycle, right? The thing that's what the mitochondria is about. Well, it is more than that, a lot more than that. And that's literally, we go through all of those pathways. So Ellie, if you want to just geek out for a second here and just talk about all the things we look at what causes the mitochondrial biogenesis? How do we look at the things? How do we recommend things? What are the things in the ATP production? So just geek out for a second here so that Dave knows that you actually know your stuff, your molecules. <laughs> <laughs> Time my second. <laughs> so uh, let me try to just kind of recap. So uh, some of the things that, that you said, you know, mitochondria is an energy a furnace is the energy generator for the uh, cell, and it needs to rise up and actually deliver that energy uh, at any occasion when we need more of it, when there's some kind of demand, stress, maybe you're fighting something, maybe you have, um, you know, not enough of the, the types of nutrients. So uh, mitochondria actually can sense uh, when you don't have enough energy <clears throat> from something, let's say, called AMPK that senses the ratio of AMP to ATP. ATP is that energy molecule and we get ATP from mitochondria. So mitochondria has a way to know about this, but to know about this, these signaling pathways need to actually tell mitochondria, hey, we don't have enough energy, so can you make some more please? And for that, you need to have first of all enough mitochondria and all of the compartments and components of it and all the proteins, they need to be functional. So when mitochondria knows that it needs to produce more energy or metabolize certain things for you, for the cells. Uh, there is a master regulator of mitochondrial biogenesis called PGC1-alpha. And this gene is what signals to mitochondria to be able to function optimally and to actually uh, deliver what the cells need. So that's one of the things that we measure, and that can be in response to different stressors or just the ratio of uh, AMP to ATP, the energy molecule. For people listening going, hold on, I just got lost there. So ATP is adenosine triphosphate. So this is the energy molecule, and it goes down to ADP when you use it, and if everything's working right, it goes back to ATP. So it goes from three down to two down to three. And AMP is what happens when something got screwed up, and now you're, you're basically a three-part engine. You just lost the first part, now you lost the second part, and you've got AMP. And AMP, you either pee it out, which a biologically expensive, valuable molecule just got wasted in your urine, or if you can get enough energy, you could rebuild that and reuse it again. And if you're good at doing that, you'll probably live longer. Did I yeah. get it right? Absolutely. All right, Perfect. just checking. Just excellent. Okay, now everyone learns AMP, ADP, ATP in that order, like one, two, three. Okay, yeah. keep going. Oh, no, die, try. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, in response to AMPK activation, PGC1 and alpha PGC1 alpha activation, uh, mitochondria is knows to um, crank up its functionality basically. And in order to give you the energy you need, first of all, you need to get the fuel, which can come in either uh, carb or fat sources. So if it comes from, let's say, long chain fatty acids, <clears throat> different types of fats, they need to be transported into the mitochondria before they can even be processed, metabolized, oxidized. And for that, you need, that's why some people need some help with that. They need L-carnitine. That's one of the reasons they might they might take that. Uh, other sources, you know, glucose and glycolysis is a very well-known pathway where you break down different sugars. It's more than just glucose that can come into the pathway. You can get that pathway activated with fructose and with breaking down of more complex uh, carbohydrates. But um, the point is, then you get to the Krebs cycle. And after the Krebs cycle, also known as the, the TCA cycle or citric acid uh, cycle, you are able to generate some of the molecules 
that then also contribute to electron transport chain, when as a series of different transformations, you finally get the most of that ATP pumped out through the pump, and uh, you need all of these different components. Now, all of these components, you know, there's a cytochrome C, there is a ubiquinon ubiquinol shuttle. Uh, you need to know what are the personal, you know, gene expression and pathway profiles that you need most. Because if you just, you know, if you take everything, some of the things may not be, you know, very beneficial for you. For for some people, you may not need uh, L-carnitine, or you need you do not need any more of the protein and then amino ammonia sources in in your body. Whereas for other people, you need more of the CoQ10. It is so important. My statement, look, I take 150 supplements a day uh, and I've just, people say, well, you might be wasting money. I'm like, great. I'm happy to have the world's most expensive pee. I have no issues with that. What I don't want to do is I don't want to be in a situation where I'm taking something that doesn't actually benefit me. And I finally figured out after a while, oh, if I take too much acetyl L-carnitine, uh, which is you know, in a lot of cognitive enhancement formulas, but not everyone needs it. And not even everyone with a uh, optimized metabolism like me even needs it. When I take it, I actually get a little bit of a headache and I get jaw tension, which is a side effect because I have enough acetyl L-carnitine in my system and it actually doesn't work. It, it raises my acetylcholine levels more than I need. So how would I know that? Because I'm a biohacker. How would someone who's taking that going, I have headaches all the time and I'm grinding my teeth. Well, you just wouldn't know it. And so some supplements in excess are not going to help you. And my people say, Dave, Tell me what you take. I'm like, I'm not telling you what I take. Are you a former 300-pound guy who had autoimmune issues who was my age? Oh, might you be a 150-pound woman who's a different age? Just don't do what I do. Optimize. And for me, it's been an evolutionary process with a million dollars. And what you guys did is said, why don't we spend $2 billion of basically military <laughs> spending plus all of the AI research you've put in over the last uh, four or five, however, however old we are now, um, but all of that and saying, okay, maybe there's a way someone can get the test and then say, oh, these are the things that the gut bacteria plus the combination of what my body's actually doing, that's going to tell you the supplements with the highest ROI. And all I care about is ROI. The show is based on ROI, right? You listen to the show. Was it worth more than the hour of your time? If so, give us a four-star or five-star review, whatever. If not, don't. Every time. I listen to your show. It is one of the best ROI I get. I mean, I think there are very, very few people. I honestly believe deliver value every time with every guest. I mean, I bar none. I mean, there's literally what I find is <clears throat> you talk about actually learning and learning the valuable life lessons, something you can take home and apply. I would give that a five star every day. Oh, th thanks, Naveen. That, that means a lot coming from you. And Ali, I know that you can you can pretend like you listen. It's okay, you don't have to listen. I actually um, read on your website. And, oh, and all that, <laughs> cool. And I'm a fan. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, yeah. Dave, I got to tell you that some of our best people that we have hired have come from people who listen to our podcast together. Oh, cool. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, but but walk walk us through that mitochondrial thing. Yeah. I was going to just take you one step further and I'm going to announce something that I didn't want to announce, but now that you brought it up, I'm going to tell you that, right? So we just launched this health intelligence service now that actually looks at your mitochondrial gene expression, human gene expression, and the microbial gene expression that got all together. And now we're going to be actually launching the precision supplements designed and made to order for each individual after do the test. When you do the test, we say you need 22 milligram of lycopene, you need 11 milligram of butyrate, you need seven milligram of elderberry. And we literally make those capsules, eight capsules, whether you need 35 ingredients, whether you need 60 ingredients, we make them for you on demand for each individual, completely made to order. And that's you, that will be launching on August 1st. That's right. That's right. I'm pretty stoked to see what you guys think I need to take because I'm like, is it going to be accurate? Uh, yeah. I think it, well, it, I think it will based on accurate, the science. But, but will it have that weird Japanese ingredient, that LKM556 five, five, or 58, whatever that stuff is? Probably not. I think there's room for tweaking on top of it, but you're going to get everyone's everyone's major categories. And if, you, if you're a weird biohacker like me and you're like, okay, I'm going to take this cognitive enhancer. I'm going to do this. You can still play, but get your bases covered. How much magnesium do I need? I don't know. Like you guys should tell me, right? And exactly. I, that's what I want. See, our job is to look at 90% of everything yes. that you 
give you everything you need and nothing that you don't need. And then you go in there on your own and actually do the biohacking. You literally personalize even top of that personalization because, you know, it doesn't matter how much we learn. There is so much in the human body we are still going to learn. So as we get millions and millions of people doing it, it's going to get better and better and better. And chances of someone else be able to improve that goes down and down. But we are not there today. So I would be absolutely telling you that today you can do that. Maybe four years from now, it's going to get more and more difficult because we will know everything by then. <laughs> so I think, yes. Yeah, yeah. Can I just say why we call it precision? You know, precision supplements. We refer it yeah. that way, precision nutrition. Can I just say why we call it precision? You know, precision supplements. We refer it that way, precision nutrition. Because... Nowadays, if you look at what people mean when they say personalized nutrition or personalized supplements, it's more categorized than it is personalized. It's like there is the new nootropic uh, category. There's a weight loss category. There's a, you know, insulin category. There's a performance endurance, uh, whatnot category, the cardiovascular health category. And then if you actually think, well, I need that support too. I need this to be, you know, just prophylactic. I need improvement in my business. Then you, you cover all the categories. You're going to end up actually with 500 supplements for all you know. Uh, and that can be harmful because it can overload, you know, your even your liver and kidneys can be overloaded with this. Plus all of the things that go into supplements that, that sometimes contain heavy metals. And when you add up too much of that and then all of the fillers and things like that. So um, how do you then narrow it down to what you need? And this is when, you know, it's it's a way of personalization that is based on molecular level precision. And you can only get molecular level precision if you can understand you know, system-wide, what is actually happening down on a molecular level to meet your molecular needs. So if somebody needs more NAD plus uh, precursors in order to fuel your electron transport chain or your Krebs cycle, then that is what you need. And you can take, you know, nicotinamide riboside or or other ones. Um, or if you need more of the ubiquinol in, in order to, to fuel the ubiquinol, ubiquinone shuttle inside also the mitochondrial, or you need more of the L-carnitine, some people do. And so with this molecular level precision and also looking at what is going on you know, in your microbiome, what else is happening in terms of your stress response, your inflammation, only then you can make these molecularly precise supplement recommendations and or food recommendations. And so for recommending any one thing, so like a CoQ10 or there's a berberine, for instance, if you recommend this one thing, our philosophy is that you look at what a person has going on on all of these different functional levels integratively and functions are painted by all of the different activities of, of the pathways and, and microbial contribution as well. You look at what is going on integratively and the ingredient that serves most purposes for you to kind of readjust and fine tune those knobs, you know, for the fewest number of ingredients, that is what's going to give you that uh, personal level of precision. So that's why we kind of, you know, take the systems approach to give you this functional integrative uh, precision supplement, precision nutrition uh, offering. It makes, uh, it makes so much sense to be able to do that. I'm, I'm excited, but I have a question here. I feel great when I take my stack of supplements and right. I tune it on a daily basis. Like, you know what? I didn't okay. sleep that well last night. My aura ring tells me as much and I feel like, ugh. Uh, or like you see a little bit of puffiness around your face. Okay, whatever I had for dinner last night didn't, didn't always work. Uh, so, all right, I'm going to take extra of this and less of that. Uh, and there's a daily tuning. But if I was to say run the health intelligence test tomorrow. And I've been taking this stuff, what was, you know, evolving stack of stuff for 20 plus years. Isn't, aren't the results going to be based on my supplement stuff? And then if I quit taking those supplements and I start taking something new, wouldn't I have to get a new test? But so remember, and Dave, this is all about a snapshot of what's happening in your body, right? So we look at, for example, your histamine signaling in terms of what is your histamine signaling telling you right now. So even though you're taking supplements to actually maybe take care of it, but the signaling is still happening. So we look at histamine signaling. We may be looking at your <clears throat> prostaglandin biosynthesis. We are looking at all the stuff like tissue remodeling and repair. So wound healing is very interesting is that 
you know, some, you know, obviously the body is designed that in case you get wounded, it releases things like thrombocytes and platelets to take care of it. But what happens is sometimes the people have this mechanism turned on, even though there is no wound and the body is constantly producing it, then it starts to get really, really harmful. So we look at the cytokine signaling. We are looking at antiviral and antibacterial response, right? So we're looking at all of those signaling to figure out how your immune system is being activated. And even though you're taking supplement to deal with them, but the fact is the activation is still happening, right? And that's how we know what you actually need. So then the the idea would be that someone comes in, they do the health intelligence test, then they save so much on the supplements they're taking because now they're taking the ones that they need uh, on subscription and all of that, that they can actually get another test in six months or a year and sort of see how's it working and then tweak. And actually, honestly, we do that. It's included. So when we launch our supplement, the test oh, are it's included. Going to be okay. included. So that means you do the test. We actually do the test. Look at every insight. Give you all the insights in the body. Then give you the precision supplement, and then send you the another test four months or six months later. And then reformulate and redo the things again. So in a sense that you're constantly seeing what is going on. We give you what you need to do, and then prove it to you that it's working, and tune it again. And then we keep keep doing another test and retune, test and retune. And the idea is keeping your body in that optimal phase, keep retuning your body just like retune your car. Every year, you retune the body every three, four, five months. Okay. I, this has been sort of every biohacker's dream. And frankly, most people who are aware, wow, you know, I, I didn't have enough magnesium or zinc or something last year, and this year I probably do. So what needs work now? Uh, it's been a real pain for me. I have a, a directory on Dropbox or something full of, all of my different lab tests going, oh, what's my you know, level of red blood cell this and plasma that? And it, it becomes a little bit overwhelming, uh, especially for, I'm just going to say, mere mortals who aren't professional biohackers. So the idea that it's an, kind of an automated system where you send a sample in every now and then and it's, and it's built in and it looks at the system of, of you know, your gut and your oral microbiome and your cells, that to me is one of the most attractive things. It's something I've spent countless tens of thousands of dollars on that's getting disrupted and replaced. So that's, you know, go, go Viome. And uh, thanks a lot, Dave. Another thing I was going to tell you was that, you know, the most of the us, most of us, we look at the symptom, we wait until we start to see some symptom, whether it's a puffy face or something that symptom, but we don't know pre-symptom the things that are going on inside mm -hmm. at a cellular level, right? So for example, we all know there is a cellular stress always going on. But is that cellular stress coming from oxidative stress? Is it coming from genotoxic stress? Is it hypoxia-induced stress? Is it antioxidant-like uh, stress? So my point is we know exactly what is causing the cellular stress. That sooner or later is going to end up showing you the symptom. So if you can prevent it by actually taking the uh, action earlier, you don't, know, you don't even notice it. That is uh, that is the dream. So you don't know the bullet that you dodged. And one of the things that, that's fascinating to me is, is you're talking about all these different pathways. And Ali, I had a specific PGC1 alpha question for you to go back a little bit in the interview. Uh, so I am perhaps the world's biggest and only PGC1 alpha fanboy. Tell me a little bit more about what PGC1 alpha does in the body for us. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. So it sends the signal to uh, support and build up more of the mitochondria. So mitochondria, it's not enough to just produce energy and to crank out this electron transport chain. You actually have to produce more of the building blocks of the organelle. And mm -hmm. you also need to know how to... Um, be 
ready to make more mitochondria. So when cells need to divide, when you need to actually have more mitochondria within the cell, so all of the different pathways, they kind of converge and then diverge through PGC1-alpha because it's a master uh, mitochondrial regulator. And yes, of course, it does stimulate the metabolic reactions themselves, even the you know uh, glycolysis and TCA cycle. Enzymes, they get induced in one way or another through PGC1-alpha and PPAR-gamma and other type of uh, transcription factor signaling. So it's miracle grow for mitochondria. So you have more of them, so you can make more power on demand. Okay, I, I, I translated that. Now, how do you raise it? So there's a whole number of, of supplements that actually raise the expression and activity of PGC1-alpha. The point, I think, is how do you pick the one that's right for you? So actually some people, so it, it almost makes it sound like PGC1-alpha is great. Therefore, everybody should have more of it. But the thing is, if you have too much of this mitochondrial activity, the byproduct of that is reactive oxygen species. So if somebody has enough of the metabolic activity and they have oxidative stress, then you don't need to stimulate PGC1-alpha. So the point is, you know, it, it depends how you ask the question. Is it like a miracle for everybody and we should we should then have more of it or not so of course there are a lot of supplements and herbs that have specific ingredients that will boost your pgc1 alpha but you may want to actually concentrate more on the uh, redox and antioxidant and detox type of pathways because your mitochondria is already performing performing so well that as a byproduct it's making these uh, reactive oxygen species that can then damage my uh, uh, membranes of mitochondria itself and of your other cellular organelles. So that that's beautiful. So your environment is polluted or isn't fertile enough and you pour miracle grow on your mitochondria, you're not gonna get what you want. The, the things that I was hoping you would say is that exercise is one of the easiest ways to raise PGC. Oh, well, absolutely else. true, but it is true. Exercise is one of the best way to increase the uh, PGC-1 alpha. In fact, it goes through, I think, induction of AMP activator, MPK activator, right? It, it does. Now, <laughs> what is another thing that's not coffee that raises PGC-1 alpha as much as exercise? Well, there are some polyphenols, okay, not coffee, but uh, some herbs and polyphenols have specific ingredients that raise PGC1-alpha. I mean, there, um, it, it depends which one is best for you. So it could be like fisetin that you can get from strawberries, or it could be, you know, yeah, I love uh, that something stuff. that has more of a neurotropic effect. Yeah. Uh, depends on what you need. It, it's in the nitrate I, family. Mm -hmm. It's a hint. But it's it's nicotine. So nicotine it's is one nicotine. of the most potent oh, ways to raise PGC one yeah. alpha. So here's my question. Are you guys gonna tell me to start using nicotine? Not smoking, smoking's bad, but nicotine raises PGC one alpha. That's why everyone gets thin and looks rift when they smoke and eat a bunch of crap. <laughs> Even though I don't recommend you do that. But is nicotine gonna be on the list of things to, to pay attention to? Well, you should so always pay attention to nicotine, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are going to tell people to start using it. I do so that. Here, uh, so Dave, we do look at things like resveratrol. Resveratrol also goes through the PGC-1 mm -hmm. through PPAR gamma. Uh, you know, arsolic acid. So uh, quercet, uh, quercet. Big one. A lot of different ones that can actually support uh, the PGC-1 alpha through different mechanisms. So I would say, yeah, the exercise is really good for you. There is no doubt about it. It goes through the induction of, as I say, it induces the AMP activator, AMPK activator, right? You can look at the things around uh, the things, other supplements, including nicotine, if that is something you are willing to do. <laughs> so answer is yes, the nicotine is one of the things that actually does, uh, there is no two ways about it does increase the pgc1 alpha uh, pgc1 alpha uh, activation and if if someone smokes uh, what are we going to see in their biome their microbiome their oral biome or in their mitochondria just the counterpoint so that. actually we see so smoking and by the way vaping and a lot of the other things are clearly shown to impact significantly their oral microbial activities in fact we are we have filed with fda and in fact, we should be expecting next week with the breakthrough devices status where we are able to show the oral microbial activities uh, determine the stage zero and stage one oral cancer. And we actually show wow. that how, yeah, so we literally can look at pre-malignant and the stage one oral cancer. Uh, just by looking at the oral microbial activity, then we showed the people who actually smoke or people who uh, chew tobacco 
or the people who are in fact doing Listerine or whole bunch of things, how especially vaping, vaping causes a massive, massive amount of change in the oral microbiome. And you saw this mysterious disease that people were talking about, people who were vaping in their uh, lungs. That, uh, that was actually coming from oral microbial activities being completely changed rather than some mysteriously that disease was coming along. Wow. I just wanted to say that it depending it depends what your metabolic reactions are going to lead your nicotine to do. So you can have more of a um, like a niacin input or you can have the nicotinamide riboside precursor, which then goes to um, NAD plus, which fuels your energy. And we can see the enzymes, the genes that code for these enzymes that convert NAD to NAD, NADH to NAD plus, NADP, NADPH, all of these different redox uh, reactions, we can see if those are active. And we can also see in the microbiome if nic nicotinate uh, and nicotinamide pathways are activated by your microbes. And so microbes can actually give you some energy. They can even do some detox for you. They have their own, you know, glutathione and SOD and catalase and all of these things. And they can also give you some uh, B6 or B12. So maybe you're getting already a lot of B12 you don't need anymore, but maybe your microbiome can help you with a little bit extra B6, which you need to actually uh, make use and produce more serotonin. So you you need uh, to take all of these things integratively into account. So and niacin, for instance, it's not actually, it doesn't work out great for everybody. For some people, it can uh, contribute to this uh, positive, you know, niacin, nicotinamide, energy type of pathways. And for other people, it just causes a lot of uh, uh, flushing. It does not naturally convert to NAD. It's not a, a sure path. So uh, for some people, that conversion actually depends on enz uh, enzymes, that expression of uh, which we can also see, and it declines with age. So that's another thing that could play into your overall biological age score. I, I'm uh, I'm just so blown away at all the different little questions. Uh, niacin before you go into sauna, who the heck knows? Uh, I've the first time I took niacin, I was probably maybe 28, and I, like I'm turn bright red and you know, get hot and feel all weird and it's not pleasant at all. And other times it doesn't do that much, but it's dose dependent and I've done tons of NAD. And so like, okay, make sure that you have sufficient levels, but being able to be precision about it, I think this is, this is going to really change a lot of people's lives. So I'm, I'm pretty darn excited about it. And uh, uh, the mitochondrial picture is, oh my goodness. I mean, I've spent a thousand dollars on a test last year where they took my live blood, I think it was live, it must have been, and then they exposed it to hydrogen peroxide. Like, look, you can make good antioxidants in your mitochondria, good for you. And I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> it, it doesn't do anything, right? But but good for me, they weren't bad at that. Maybe I should take some more vitamin C, but it, I couldn't do anything with it. I'm like, great, I lost a thousand bucks and I didn't learn anything that was useful. And so the idea of, okay, what changes would you make, not just for, for the, the history of biomas, okay, change this that you put in your mouth and you get this and you know, different in, in the activity of what's in your gut. That was step one. Step two, all these other cellular things going on in the body. I'm, I'm pretty excited and I, I can't wait to get my results in on this. You'll be getting them soon, Dave. I think I'm okay. going to send you the kit and you're going to analyze it. By the way, I have one at home right now, so I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. So this yeah. is brand new stuff. Uh, I I know that, uh, I, I know I learned a lot from from my just my historical ones. And Ellie, one thing that you you did say earlier about fillers and binders. So I, I take I, I I take and make super clean supplements, and I'll blend it myself in a blender and hold my nose and drink it if I have to. <laughs> um, but uh, when you guys got my results, uh, you uh, we had a, a phone call, uh, and I I said, well okay, where can I be getting this PEG, uh, polyethylene glycol? And so it, it turns out I was taking SARMs and I did a whole blog post on SARMs. I put on 29 pounds of muscle in six weeks. I raised my PGC1 alpha beyond normal levels and did all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but uh, they were available in that solvent. And you said, well, you're getting a lot of this stuff and it's messing up your gut. I'm like, what's going on? So I looked and now if I'm going to do SARMs, I will put them in vodka and use a magnetic stirrer. So I'm getting ethanol based. But that was directly from my biome <laughs> things. And when you say you can tell, you guys could tell because I didn't tell you any of that. And you looked at my poop and said, you've got this going on and it changed your bacteria. 
And so if you're listening to the show going, what else am I doing that changes my bacteria? It turns out you have no clue, and none whatsoever. And there's no way you would because I eat a really clean diet. I raise my own animals. I raise my own vegetables. I know everything that went into the soil that went into the animals that went into the kitchen and what kind of cookware I use and where the oils came from. Like I do everything and still... I don't know all that, and maybe I should be using you know 20% more olive oil. Hell, I don't know. I, I think what I'm doing works. But if I can get the data, it's going to be another level for me. And if you're probably not where I am, because it hasn't been your life's passion, <laughs> it's a few hundred dollars, <laughs> and then you're good to go because you got more data than I ever had. And I, I'm, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I was just starting to be a biohacker right now uh, because it would be way easier uh, than it has been. Uh, it would be as much fun, Dave. That's true. The, the fund wouldn't be there. What about age? You're talking about biological aging. I've seen all sorts of DNA uh, powered things where they're saying, oh, we're going to look at telomeres. How are you determining biological age? Because I think you're different. Yes. Yeah, so I think I want you to talk about cellular stress. I want you to talk about a little bit about all the other things we're looking at in terms of aging, because I really think that is so unique that anybody has ever done. Yeah, yeah. So many of the things that we just talked about play into cellular aging and cellular aging. Uh, well, how do we know that it's aging? Uh, it's not by looking at the actual calendar, the clock. Uh, we look at more of the cellular markers of that aging clock. So um, the decline in essential functions of the cell uh, they have specific pathways that signify that, OK, these cells are not coping well with all of the proteins that need to be transported somewhere, with all the post-translational modifications in order to know where to traffic the deliveries of certain proteins, for instance, and then when to take the extra protein or misfolded protein and then degrade it. So processes of you know ubiquitination when you target something for degradation, processes for correct export, even processes that make cells, specific immune cells, uh, pick something up and display it on the outside of the membrane to say that this is like a foreign type of uh, particle or substance so that your immune system can target it. All of these functions, they actually can decline with age. And one of the reasons is the reactive oxygen species and oxidative stress. So oxidative stress happens when, okay, you have those reactive oxygen species and your ability to mitigate them is actually not keeping up with the rate at which they are produced or introduced into the cell. So all of the things we talked about so far, actually, if these functions in one way or another are declining with all the wear and tear that cells go through, then that contributes to cellular aging. And telomerase is also included. And so this functional progressive decline of the cell is, is senescence and, and cellular aging. And all of these things go into that. Mitochondrial health obviously very much plays into that. So, I mean, you're looking at all the, I mean, all this stuff from the cellular center sense, you're looking at dysfunction uh, of how we, you know, make protein, degrade protein. You're looking at DNA, you know, the damages to the DNA that's happening, how we are re repairing it, regulation of telomeres and, you know, oxidative stress, or even apoptosis, right? To see really, exactly. are we killing these cells or they're just essentially going out of control? Right. So some uh, pathways will signify that cells are undergoing uh, programmed cell death or apoptosis. But if you just have this low enough level of damage or stress uh, that it doesn't send cells to apoptosis, it actually just makes them less and less efficient at many different um, processes and, and pathways, then you have this progressive dysfunction happening, the loss of really essential functions. So you don't get enough stuff where you need it and when you need it. And signs of that, the aging cells, is what we can pick up with the, you know, the gene expression that lights up all of these different pathways. Uh, that is a very different picture than sort of the, this one thing just determines how old you are. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. The one thing that you're not including that I, I really, really like is, uh, is one of these. Uh, it's called a dynamometer. It measures your grip strength. And it turns out it's one of the, the cheapest measures of how old you are is how, how hard can you squeeze? And this is digitally measures that. Um, but I don't think that's necessary because I'm pretty sure that the volume age is going to be a little bit more accurate than, than how hard can you squeeze. I mean, literally, you can measure your biological age by measuring your inflammation in the body because the you know systemic 
chronic inflammation also causes you to age because all of that causes your cellular stress, right? So my point is by looking at all the cytokines marker, looking at all of the systemic chronic inflammation, that is another great sign of aging. So some people think, oh, I'll just look at the methylation. I will just look at the telomere. Well, guess what? That's just one of the many, many things that go into the systems of aging, right? So I think, as you said, mitochondria is one of the big things. But telomere doesn't tell you that how well your mitochondria is doing or how badly it is doing. And if your mitochondria is not going to produce energy, you're going to age. That's how you get wrinkles. Yeah. And and constant metabolic stresses as well can induce oxidative stress and inflammatory response and 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 different um, aging processes. So it's all actually truly interconnected. That's you know the the system's view, and you have to figure out at which place in the system you need to act. So I was just um, remembering that uh, there there was a there there's a set of pathways that people for some reason find very amusing um, from the microbiome that are part of protein fermentation that lead to production of spermidine and spermine. And those are byproducts of microbial protein fermentation. You know why that's funny. (laughs) By the way, I take take spermidine orally. Uh, You can get a supplement out of Germany. I've been looking for a long time. I wrote about it in Superhuman. And yeah, it kind of smells like you'd expect it to smell. And yes, it was discovered there first. Uh, And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay because you're young and innocent. You can stay that way for a while longer. (laughs) You know how uh, but, you see the product, the, the quality check. Yes. Yeah, it's a, but it, it is necessary. In fact, I take a specific strain of probiotics that are that are shown to increase spermidine production in the gut and are correlated with uh, increasing your lifespan. So right. you know, that that's a that's a good thing to do. And yes. I think that that in fact, when I send in my next sample, uh, you'll probably see and go, wait, oh, this guy has the best spermidine I've ever seen. And hey, you know, that's that's how I roll. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, we'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. so all of these things, you know, it depends what your microbes are doing and what the host response is like. If you need more of the, you know, amino acids and and protein substrates that will make your microbes give you even more natural, you know, spermidine, or you actually don't have the kind of microbial uh, functions active that give you spermidine, and they're more likely to take it and make more ammonia and putrescine, which can be toxic and harmful, not even just for the gut environment, but it can also leak through the uh, intestinal barrier into the bloodstream. So those different uh, pathway factors can help us, you know, be more precise and personalize uh, different recommendations for you. I think it's one of the the problems that have been out there for a while on the paleo diet, the old Atkins diet, uh, and even some of the things like like you get into Whole30 and and other diets like that, all of which are infinitely better than the standard American kind of you know random food diet. But it's this excess protein uh, and the ammonia problem and the putrescine problem. There are things I've written about in the Bulletproof Diet. That's now a, a book came out six years ago, so I was doing the research about eight nine years ago. Because when I was on a high-protein diet, you do that. And, and people have been to a gym where people are on high-protein diets. Like, There's a reason that it doesn't smell very good in there. <laughs> it's putrescine. <laughs> like, putrescine yeah. was named for what cadavers smell like. <laughs> oh, and cadaverine is another one we see microbes produce. Oh, sorry, also. cadaverine it was, not putrescine. They smell putrid, but cadaverine is there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, cadaverine is more from uh, lysine, and putrescine is, uh, you know, uh, arginine, agmatine, uh, ornithine. Uh, pathway. Yeah, so uh, we could see if there's too much uh, sulfide as well, which can come from sulfate or sulfite, or it can also come from the sulfur amino acids. And sulfur amino acids, you know, people sometimes overdo on the whole cysteine and different forms of cysteine, which are good for multiple things. But if you have too much of that, uh, you know, sulfur profile going on with some of the more toxic uh, or pro-inflammatory sulfides happening, um, you don't need that. You actually can do better if you substitute for a different type of amino acid or for more bioavailable uh, amino acid sources like in, in specific types of sprouts and uh, you may even need digestive enzyme for all you know to help your um, protein digestion so that you don't have your microbes digesting the protein and making these harmful byproducts which will then cause you know inflammation and oxidative stress in your cells that we can measure from the host side. One of the big things that, that's been in superhuman is all along is, guys, the type of amino acids matters more than how much protein or how much meat or whether it's plant-based or animal-based. It's really about these building blocks and then the peptides, how they're glued together. And 
one of the things that popped out is like the amount of glycine, the amino acid that you eat in proportion to cysteine or the other amino acids that are inflammatory is really important. Like most of us are low in glycine, so you eat some collagen, get your levels up. Um, do you guys provide specific information in the test about your ratio or the amount of glycine versus these other amino acids that are essential but inflammatory? Well, we don't actually measure the amino acids themselves. We measure the activity of all of the pathways that are needed to, let's say, convert one amino acid into another, like the cysteine, homocysteine, methionine, all of these pathways. And we see genes for that and differential expression between people within the microbiome and in your human blood transcriptome. So that gives you a unique perspective into more than just that one final readout of the of the amino acid. You see exactly which routes along your biochemical pathways you're more or less uh, likely to activate. And based on that, we want to actually be proactive to, to help you rebalance. I'll tell you just one example where uh, something called trimethylglycine, I'm sure you know, but uh, TMG, betaine, um, it's given in different forms. There's the betaine HCL, which can help your you know, digestive issues and including protein fermentation and digestion uh, on the GI track of things. And then there is uh, betaine anhydrous that you can take for like the methyl donor and, and, and all of the cardiovascular benefits that it gives. But some microbes will take that trimethylglycine and they will take that into the methanogenesis or methane production pathway and you will end up making more methane than you know. And methane gas, if you know if it's if it's not really overly produced, is 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 not an issue, and you may not have that microbial profile. But we can measure in your pathway uh, analysis and your your results if you have the kind of um, microbial profile. Archaea basically are the ones that are methanogens. If you have them actively making methane, then you may not want to look at, you know, TMG, you may want to take something else for your uh, digestive issues. And if the digestive issues are, you know, of, of one kind, you may uh, benefit from bromelain and bromelain will also hit some of your inflammatory and some of even fluid retention type of issues. But if your digestive issues are because of, let's say, opportunistic microbes, then back to berberine, berberine has antimicrobial uh, properties and it can also help uh, back to your AMPK uh, and, and all of these different metabolic pathways, it can help with that. It can help reduce your, um, you know, fat and, and sugar levels. And so looking at multiple things you need to hit personally and things that you do not want to introduce into your system because you have enough or it can actually be harmful, that is what drives our, you know, nutrient prioritization for you. Uh, that is exactly why we go to multiple functional medicine uh, appointments and then someone who is well-trained at is going to ask, okay, what kind of inflammation? What did you do beforehand? What do you think caused it? And then, okay, let's maybe quantify some of your cytokines and all, and they'll help you to dial in on it. And I think we're still going to need that for a very long time. But I think you guys are going to get at least half of that just because it's the easy stuff out there. And then we'll get the weird stuff, right? <laughs> and the more of the tests you have, the more the weird stuff becomes less weird because the data sample goes up. This is... This is big. Uh, it, it's really big in the world of you know, living a lot longer, uh, performing a lot better, and just knowing, man, I don't know, should I spend 25 bucks on this supplement or this supplement or neither one? And being able just to make an optimal decision. And so I, I just my, my thanks, I mean, we've, we've worked together for a long time, uh, but just thanks for continuing to push it. And Naveen, particularly, <laughs> you're not doing this for money, man. I, I know you very well. You're already very comfortable. You're doing this because it's cool and because you think it matters. And um, and I'm, I'm truly grateful there. And for bringing in people like Ali, um, you know, Ali, being a systems biologist and having that knowledge and that way of thinking, it's very unusual. It's missing from Western medicine entirely where there's this one drug will save everything. And you're like, yeah, what about your PGC-1 alpha? Like, thank you for doing that and thinking that way. We need more humans who are systems thinkers. And I think you're you're doing fantastic work with Vian. So, so thank you both for being on the show. Thanks Thank a lot, Dave. Really Thanks. appreciate it. Uh, for people who are listening, uh, Viome.com, V-I-O-M-E. Uh, Naveen, and I've, I've teased him about this. He still says Viome, but it's actually Viome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there exactly you go. Yeah, exactly what Dave's saying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just, I've got to tell you, yes, I have a small financial interest because I'm an advisor, but seriously, this is so cool. Have you been listening? It matters. It's awesome. Uh, so please, if it's within your means and you're interested, you should sign up for the test. 
Go to Viome, V-I-O-M-E dot com. Use code Dave. You can save $10 and be one of the first people ever to get this test. It is the single most impactful test I've ever seen. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.